Lee Arnold back again with another edition of Country Music Conversations. And this week's spotlight falls on Alabama, the most successful band in country music history, who brought a fresh new sound with their blend of traditional country and southern rock, combined with elements of bluegrass, folk, gospel, and pop. But before we start this conversation, here are a few words from our sponsor. Country Music Conversations with Lee Arnold's podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Marketsmith, Inc., the digital media agency that's been growing brands like Toomey, Shark Ninja, New Jersey Lottery, PSE&G, Blue Mercury Cosmetics, and Dick Sporting Goods. You know what makes this agency so good at what they do? Because simply being a marketing agency is no longer enough. Solution-based, problem-solving, and ever-evolving, they create enduring value for DTC and B2B brands by opening up and growing marketing channels. Their patented AI offerings, informed by human intelligence, allow them to act with agility and intellect. I was speaking with the CEO not too long ago, and she was saying they take on clients who know who they are, who want to grow, and clients that know what they want. These big brands choose MarketSmith because they want to merge with a partner who'll make them exceptional and an agency that will grow their revenue. Digital marketing is not easy, but MarketSmith, Inc. knows when to make the media dollars work hard for their clients. You have a brand you want to grow? Well, contact MarketSmith.com and tell them Lee Arnold sent you. The group from Fort Payne, Alabama, was formed by Randy Owens, his cousin Teddy Gentry, and another cousin, the late Jeff Cook, who unfortunately passed away this past November from complications of Parkinson's disease. The band was originally known as a bar band called Wild Country, and they played for tips in Myrtle Beach at a club called The Bowery. After recording some albums on some minor labels, they were signed by RCA, and as they say, the rest is history. Alabama toured extensively and incorporated production elements such as lighting and sets in their shows. Their biggest success came in 1980, when the band had over 27 number one hits, seven multi-platinum albums, and received numerous awards. Their popularity waned a bit during the 90s, even though they continued to produce hit singles and multi-platinum record sales. In total, the band has had over 41 number one country records to their credit, and to date, they've sold over 75 million records. Alabama disbanded in 2004 following a farewell tour, but they reunited in 2010 and continued to record and tour worldwide. If there's a secret to their longevity and success, it's their music, with many of their hits written by Randy Owens and Teddy Gentry, but by the same token, other number ones written by other country songwriters. Their musicianship is superb. Their three-way harmonies are mesmerizing. But most of all, each one of them are regular guys who love playing and also appreciate their fans and the celebrity they've earned. Their popularity and appeal can be attributed to the fact 
that their fans range in age from teens to seniors and everyone in between. Randy Owens summed it up best when he said, quote, We're country first and crossovers second. If crossovers come, well, that's great. But we'd rather have a number one country song than be lost in the middle of both the country and pop charts, unquote. When it comes to winning awards, Alabama is the most awarded band in country music, with over 200 awards from a variety of organizations. Despite their lucrative career, they've been a model for philanthropy. From 1982 until 1997, they sponsored June Jam, a music festival in Fort Payne, which at its peak drew over 60,000 fans and raised millions of dollars for local charities. Randy Owens spearheaded Country Cares for Kids, an annual radiothon that raised over $70 million for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. I'll never forget the first time I met the Fort Payne Four. The year was 1980, and they were part of a country package show appearing at the Felt Forum in Madison Square Garden. We met backstage for my first interview with them, and they had me from hello. Since that time, I've had many conversations with Randy Owens, Teddy Gentry, Jeff Cook, and Mark Herndon. This conversation took place in Nashville in 1989. They had just won Song of the Year for Fallen Again, and we waxed sentimental chanting about their career, their beginnings, and the memorable hits they recorded. Now, enjoy our visit with Alabama. We're backstage uh, at one of the most interesting nights in country music at the BMI Awards, where all the songwriters are honored for their accomplishments over the year. But the creme de la creme is with us right now because they have won the song of the year. We just talked to Mark Herndon of Alabama, and the rest of the guys are here. We have Randy Owen and Teddy Gentry, guys, and also Greg Fowler from Maypop Music, who published the song. Congratulations to all of you guys. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, you, we, I know it's an old cliche, but surprise, surprise, as Gomer <laughs> says, surprise, surprise. I mean, it's uh, one of those things that... Uh, I was telling some people out there, I thought when I wrote Mountain Music that I had a shot at, you know, the most performed song. And uh, then with Phil So Right, I thought, well, that's, <laughs> this might be. <laughs> but it wasn't to be. And then the song that uh, that I believed in a lot, uh, but, you know, as far as a commercial song, but never had any, I, any idea I did, that it would be like the most performed song. I mean, it's, you know, as... A baseball player I heard talking the other day, if you stay around long enough, some good things are going to happen. <laughs> you just got to outlast it. That's right. You got to outlast some of these things, you know. So That song, Teddy, uh, it was around a long time on the charts. I mean, it's a number one song. And I mean, it just seemed to not linger, but it was there as far as the public was concerned. And it, it just stayed there as a top song for Alabama. This song was totally surprising me, and I have to really give credit to Randy for bringing the record around because uh, when we wrote the song, we wrote the song one night on the bus and uh, got it started before the show, and Randy and Greg got with me after the show and for the next couple of nights we wrote on it. And I honestly never heard the song as, as a single. Oh. And, and Randy uh, came up in December, uh, the year that we cut the Just Us album, and he cut three sides, I think it was. And he and when he got back home, he I saw him that day the next afternoon. He said, "I really cut, 
He said, I think we got a really good track on, on following again. I said, well, great. And had no idea it would ever become a single. And for certain tonight, I, you could knock me over with a feather because I, it just shows you how little you know sometimes about, uh, or how you know how little you realize about what really what it really takes to be a commercial song. Because uh, you know you write a song and then to make for it to become a record, I have to give Randy a lot of credit for that. He believed in the song and came in and cut it. And fortunately, we got a good cut on it. And and uh, you know the. I'm just tickled to death. I can't say I can't say anything right now. <laughs> I think you're kind of speechless too, Greg. You have been a very important, integral part of Alabama and their success on the road in the management category, but also, you know, contributing in the creative aspect in, in writing this song. Uh, do you enjoy songwriting? I feel like the rookie of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. To to be around people of this talent and and believe in what we do and and love these guys as I do. It's not just a, an act or a business for us. It's a family. It really is. And, and to be a part of that family, I just feel so proud every day. And I thank God every day for the fact that here I am as a part of it. But uh, to be a part of something like this that you feel that you had some small part in, I'm just, uh, as Teddy said, a feather would have, it would have knocked me over with no problem tonight. I'm so- I- I, I guess the greatest kudo that you can get and the greatest compliment that you guys can get is to be honored by your peers, the songwriters. And I mean, that, you know, and having the most performed song, that's the greatest down ever all, outside of having fans come out to hear your music. Well, really, it it all begins with the song, and we've heard that all tonight, but it really does. uh, The easiest thing in the world, that's what I was telling Dean Dillon and some people uh, I was talking to there tonight. You know, uh, if the song's not there, you really can't sing it. But here again, you have to feel that song. That's why I thought I was talking to some people today about Vern Goss and what he did to Chiseled and Stone. And I think Teddy and I were talking about today, you know, he felt, he wrote the song, of course, co-wrote it, but he also felt every line. And it's so important that you feel the song. But uh, what we were talking about there with uh, Falling Again a while ago is that same day we we cut three tracks. Really? All three were singles. We did the rest of the album. <laughs> we did Tire Top, Falling Again, and Face to Face. Wow. All, all on the same day? All the same day and the rest of the album. Then we might as well not have done it. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> well, I mean, that's why the music, it's crazy. Like I said, you hang around long enough and you'll make a few mistakes. <laughs> and aside from tonight, another banner night was a few months back when you got the Artist of the Decade Award at the Academy of Country Music. And that that had to be the, the final acclamation. And you had to feel just so good about that, oh. Teddy, knowing that, you know, as Sally Field once said in that motion picture when she accepted the Academy Award, they like me, they really like me. Well, the first... You know, the first day that I ever knew about the award, that night we won it. Because, I, you know, the first time or, or the last time the award was, was given, we weren't even part of country music. We were still playing in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Right. And, true. and you know, I knew nothing about the award, and I heard them talking about it on the radio that day. And here I was. I thought, well, they've just come up with some award that they're going to give tonight, you know, and thought nothing about it. Well, after I got to the show and they started talking about, well, I think uh, – I said, who'd won it before uh, Loretta and uh, Sonny James? James. Yes, so, so you know, I said, well, you know, this is incredible just to be nominated for a type of war like this. And, and actually never thought anything about us winning because in my mind, we'd only been in the music business eight and a half, nine years. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about a 10-year award. Mm-hmm. And and so, therefore, I never even considered that we were would have a shot at it. You know, I was thinking, well, you know, Kenny will probably get it or William. Right. Or, 
And and when they started flashing the the songs up there, I think it really, you know, it was re- very emotional for me to look back at all the all the songs and, and and all the years. And because when you're out here doing it, you don't you know the time kind of passes without you you realizing it. And then each one of those songs was kind of brought back. I started thinking about what I was doing that year, and you know, and where we were at, and and it all added up, and it was song that just monumental in our career. You know, like forty hour week, roll right. on, right. mountain music. You know, feel so right closer you get those songs that were just they were so pivotal uh-huh. at each time you know i think about it the first time you heard each one of them and then the changes they went through from the time you heard it to the time that it came out as a single for alabama what do the 80s mean to you greg with alabama when you reflect on the 80s what does it represent to you in your mind my professional life mm-hmm. truly uh-huh. having worked in, and lived in an environment similar to what these guys were doing in Myrtle Beach at the time when I was in radio there and they were at the Bowery mm-hmm. trying to get going and things happening. Uh, to have been a part of that for the 80s, to me, represents Greg Fowler's life. Right. It really does. I, and, I, and I'm not, uh, I'm being very sincere when I say that. And what they've accomplished that, that I've been a, a small part of, I am so proud of because I'm so proud of them. Mm-hmm. And I am just... Uh, as we say in South Carolina, tickled to death. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of says it all. Teamwork, you know, I think teamwork is uh, the greatest thrill of all. I think, you know, being a part of a team effort that one night when the guy is down, everybody else kind of pulls him along. Right. And maybe one night when you feel super, the next guy is maybe he's got a little bit of a cold or a little, you know. So uh, I think being a part of a team is a lot better than any individual uh, goals that uh, you could ever have because he was talking about South Carolina there. Um, of course, this has nothing to do with the song, right? But yet it does. Yes. Had it not been for the songs, we couldn't do this. But we're going to do something very special for all of our wonderful people in South Carolina and the Carolinas. And we want to do it so bad. And, and it's it's going to be a beautiful evening there in Columbia for the the people that were afflicted or, or hurt by Hurricane Hugo. And right. It's going to be really neat and uh Tonight, you know, with this award, it kind of makes, it puts all these things in perspective, you know, that these people in the Carolinas were there, they used to put tips in the tip bucket. And here are, here are these guys that were in the Bowery up. I mean, this is, now you have to understand, it's, it seems only a few years ago. That, that, that you don't, does it seem, it was a few years ago, but does it seem like years ago to you? No, it seems just like yesterday. I can remember just the feeling of the smell. And the bower and the sweat and, and the smoke and uh, the the atmosphere, but I mean that was just seems only a few days ago. And now here we are tonight getting an award for the most performed country song, and that that's that's unbelievable. I mean, because our dreams were just. I I told the story out there a while ago. I told my wife, I said, you know, I have read that Tom T. Hall makes ten thousand dollars a year writing songs. And I, said, songs. <laughs> and I said, if I, if I could make $10,000 a year writing songs, I said, I could tell all the world to go to hell, you know? <laughs> and, I mean, you know, that's, that was a feeling I mean, because $10,000 uh, to me is, is today is a lot of money, but back then it was the world. I mean, you know, we worked for, for tips and, you know, those days uh, are you know, just it's like all I got to do is flip my finger and I'm back there. <laughs> Teddy, uh, I mean, uh, 
actually, Jeff's story was cute. You talk about tips. I mean, there was a time there where, where someone wanted Room Full of Roses played, and the, you guys, he didn't want to do it, and he offered you 100 bucks, and he says he got to like the song by the end of the night after playing it about 20 times. Do you remember that incident? Of course we do. I said it's just like yesterday. <laughs> this, this lady with sunglasses walked up the stage. She had the hundreds in her bra, yeah. and she just pulled them out of her bra, bra and handed them to us, and... Hey, that, we, we would have played it all night, believe you me. <laughs> if this was the 80s and the 90s around the corner for Alabama, what lies ahead, Teddy? What do you envision for the 90s for Alabama? What direction? What kind of music? What are the plans? Is there a game plan? Uh, I think just to, you know, con I think to sustain, I think Alabama is no fluke, and I think that, that we, the belief that we had in ourselves when we moved to Myrtle Beach back in 1973 and started you know, trying to make a living in the music business. I think that belief is still there, that we still believe in ourselves. And in fact, I think we were willing to, you know, we realize more each day of uh, the effort it takes to stay successful in this business. But I think the thing about Alabama is that we've never quit working. And as long as we're out there, I think we'll be giving it our best and we'll still be writing and we'll still be trying to, to, be, to be the very best at it that's ever been. Most artists are lucky if they have one career song, one career record that they can hang their head on to play every night that is known instantly. You guys have a choice of repertoire, which is incredible. I think you could pick out of the hat at least 10, 12, 15 songs that would be instant recognition and are career songs for Alabama. Well, that's... Uh, I, I think that... I, I, it sounds like I think we're geniuses, but I, I don't think we're geniuses. I think that, like Teddy's saying, that, that we really take every song very serious. Every song to us has its own character, its mm -hmm. own layers, uh, if you will, in the studio. And if you treat every song like it's a different person mm -hmm. and you give it its own flavor, then if it does be a single, then you uh, you hopefully have created something that's going to last. Right. And... Luckily for us, we've been able to do that. I mean, uh, just the little thing that we did on the roll on, uh, you know, where we start out, we have the truck cranking up and the guy talking on the CB radio. I mean, this is hours of work that this takes, that it costs in the studio uh, with the people there that work with us. But yet the kids, I never dreamed, of course, you know, they say a fool sometimes stumbles into stuff, but I never dreamed what we were doing. And what we were doing was bringing the kids, the tiny kids into that song because they were listening to the radio and it roll on Alabama and the truck cranking up and away it goes. And here comes the kids, you know, <laughs> I guess this year, Teddy song of the South would be the career song for 1989. No, well that, and also, you know, I think, uh, high cotton and, uh, I mean, I think, Alabama was blessed in, in one way that we've never had a song that was so big we couldn't follow it with something else. I mean, we've we've been, I think consistency has been the name of the game for us. Instead of going out and hitting 500 one year and come back the next year and hitting 200, I think we go out and hit, you know, we hit 300 every year. And I, I'd rather do that and and then have one song that, that you can't follow it with, that you have no place else to go. I think the consistency of going up and hitting the ball good each year is what's kept us where we're at now. Home in Alabama, when you do that on stage, if you still do, mm -hmm. has got to bring well, I don't know how you get through it. I, I, if I were a group or someone who created that piece of work and it's so close to what's near and dear to me, thinking of family and friends and the values, it'd be a pretty hard song to get through before any audience. Well, what we do now, we just do the chorus. And uh, well, you take the easy way out, Randy. No, it's the easy way out, and it's, it's also very effective the way it comes yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, 
like you were saying a while ago, we would like to do every song that we've recorded. But you're talking about a several-hour show, and that show, you know, you do it once a month, and that'd be it. And it's just kind of, that's one of the... Uh, the things as far as the fans are concerned that we would we would like to do everything like that but it's hard well we can't do all the singles uh as, as and even the in this album uh we're doing some of the album cuts which we're, we're doing southern star which hasn't become a single yet but it's the title of the album we also do uh borderline and uh we do uh barefooting and uh you know we do a lot of things that uh and at one time we were doing old ball road uh we were doing uh well we're doing everything on the album and that's a lot of fun for us because it's a challenge of doing new stuff and it gives the fans something to look forward to but uh the uh the songs like my homes in alabama are just uh well they're it, that to me is a once in a lifetime song because it was so I mean, uh, you know, I, we have even been criticized for doing songs that we wrote that were similar because it said it's a vague attempt at my homes in Alabama. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it's not so, it doesn't mean that we wouldn't try. I mean, I wouldn't let a critic ever decide what. Right. It's funny how, you know, like we were talking about, like the songs sometimes that when you write them, you don't realize what you've done. I think the day that me and Randy finished My Homes in Alabama, or the day that actually we, we started on the song and we're writing on it, that uh, neither one of us had any idea of what it would ever uh, you know, lead to. Uh, I got back home and I remember telling my wife, well, we, wrote the, we wrote a unique little song that, you know, between me and Randy, I think it, you know, it's really something special, but it may not never you know, set the world on fire as far as commercial value. But it's turned out that that's kind of the theme song that people remember uh, and relate to us. Same thing with Christmas and Dixie. Right. Oh, absolutely. The holidays. We had no idea what, what we were doing there either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mount music also evokes. That's that's kind of uh, something to get the crowd together. But, that, but we thought on that one and Tennessee River that we had something. I mean, we had done those songs for the clubs. Oh, you did those in the club? Oh, yeah. We'd play Tennessee River and feel so right. Lady Down on Love for five years wow. in the clubs. And we'd have these people say, can you play this song that you wrote? One thing about Alabama, individually and collectively, and Greg will bear me out, I'm sure you'll all agree, and Teddy and, and Randy, one thing throughout the years when the awards didn't come, and I mentioned this to, to Mark Herndon, Fast and Furious, and there was that dry period, so to speak, because you would, you would just want everything that was out there. You couldn't miss whatever the show was. But then things kind of slowed down. Mm -hmm. But what didn't happen is the fans never deserted you. Whenever you went out, whatever personal appearance, Every seat was filled, mm -hmm. and they were there just cheering and stomping and clapping like you would, you know, like it was yeah, old times. For us, is that we, I don't think Alabama ever deserted its fans either. Right. I, I think even after, I think the best thing could happen to us is, is what happened, really? mm -hmm. is, is that uh, I think we, you know, we won the awards. Uh, being who we are. Being who we are there, and then, then when we didn't win them, I think we went out with the same class and dignity and did our shows and said, well, you know, we accepted that, and we were, and we applauded the people that did win. And, well, and our, audience, our audience is not the traditional audience. I mean, thank God we have those thirteen-year-old girls and those seventeen-year-old boys and seventy-year-old grandmothers. You know, too, that, right. that that still think Alabama is the greatest thing that they ever saw, and they really don't care where you won an award the past year or not. You know, I mean, if they're true fans of yours, they they still love your music. 
because, I mean, there, there's just no way that you can have a crossover audience if your music is slanted one way. I mean, that just, I mean, it's just impossible. So, I mean, those awards were great. And, I mean, we always like to win awards. I mean, that's just human nature. But if you have to change your your audience to get awards, uh, you know, we can't do that. We are, you know, I sing the way I sing, and we write the way we write. And you really, you, it, in order to be truth to yourself, you have to be that way. So the best thing for us is to be what we are. And if we don't win awards, that's great because uh, that's, you know, it's let other people win and we are, we're happy for them, but we can't change for, because our fans are very devoted to us and we're very devoted to them. And we're not going to change the music just to say, Hey, you know, this is what's happening now. One of the most moving moments in any Alabama performance and Greg, you know what I'm talking about, particularly whether it's Madison Square Garden in New York, or the Houston Astrodome, or some big coliseum down south in Chattanooga, or down in South Carolina, or Florida, or Jacksonville, is when you get out stage and uh, you go into Old Flame, one of the early hits by Alabama. And it seems, as I mentioned, a mark 20,000 or 50,000 bicks automatically light up. And that's got to charge you up. That's got to be a strong emotional moment, no? Well, what a great decision by Alabama and RCA. <laughs> I mean, uh, we were talking about career songs. Uh, here we are just kind of getting started. And uh, I never forget Joe Galani said, uh, you know, we were all hyped up. Uh, Old Flame was the very last song that went on the album. We took Mountain Music off the album and saved, the next and, album. and saved it because we knew we thought we had a hit to start the next album with. And, of course, we mass produced that feel so right out. I mean, it took us about two days to do it, you know. And so uh, we went, we had met Donnie Lowry down in the Muscle Shows area, and he said, I think I've written a real good country song. And uh, so we went in the studio and just, boom, we did it, you know, and uh, I guess four or five takes or something. And uh, so we, uh, you know, RCA, and RCA like, that's what amazed us is that they said, oh, yeah, we like that song. So after about two weeks later, uh, Joe Galani says, uh, the first single is going to be Old Flame. I said, oh, the song we just did? He said, that's going to be the next one. We think that's really going to be a big record. Didn't Mac McAnally and Donnie right. uh, uh, yeah. present that to you on the bus in demo form at one point? We were in Muscle Shoals. And I think Donnie actually was the one that brought it out to the show that night and, and, and gave us a song. But uh, we listened to it several times on the bus that night, and we loved it, you know, of course. And, and like Randy said, I think Jerry Bradley is the one that we talked to at the time, and he said, well, he said, if you got that many aces, save, save your ace for the next album. Right. And we had Feel So Right and, and uh, Old Flame, so we said, well, we'll, we'll just save Mountain Music for the next one. And it's it's it's, it's really... <laughs> what a decision that was. <laughs> I mean, those those are probably the, you know, the two highest-selling albums yeah. we've ever had to this point, and uh, I wish we had about a half a dozen more like those two. <laughs> well, they're around the corner, and they're in the cards in years to come, I'm sure. Randy, uh, congratulations will be the understatement of the night for this award. I know you've won so many, and I know that this this particular award, the uh, most performed song of the year from BMI, 1989, uh, what kind of surpasses, not that it surpasses, but it, it stands alone in another spot in your it, heart. It does stand alone. That's what's so important about this award is it stands alone. Uh, there's no other award. It's It's the song, and, you know, We've written a lot of songs. It's probably the only one we ever get for the most performed song. And uh, 
it's really been great. And I cannot say, uh, and I truthfully mean this, of course, the B- people at BMI know this, you know, I'm BMI has been so good to me. I mean, they, when I started building my house, I mean, we hadn't, didn't have a lot of royalties at that time, but they advanced me enough money to, to get, my house going, which is all I ever dreamed of doing, was building my wife a house to live in. And because we'd lived in trailers and we'd lived in little beat up shacks and all that kind of stuff. And uh, our manager, Dale Morris, came up here and talked to the people and said, if you'll go up there with me, he said, I think that we can get some money advanced and everything. And they did. And it, those are things you never forget, you know, people that help you out when you get started. And I'll never forget either the day that I brought, uh, I saw the time up here and I told, I'd been telling Frances about this song. So she came in from New York, uh, Frances Preston, I'm speaking of. She said, okay, we're going to close down shop. So they closed the doors here. And for the next 10 or 15 minutes, we listened to that song. She had everybody, she said, when you write a song that you really love, she said, I want to, I want everyone to hear. And you know, it just, those are the things coming from people like Francis Preston that you just you don't ever forget being a songwriter. Because I looked at myself then as a songwriter, not Randy Owen with Alabama, but just a songwriter. And they've been very special to us. The whole game, the whole hee haw game. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy, uh, I know there are many more moments of collaboration with you and Randy and and other songs in your heart and your soul that uh, we're going to be hearing in the, in, the, in the future. And uh, once again. All the very best. It's it's been a big night for you and well deserved. Well, thanks. You know, uh, I guess from the time me and Randy started learning chords on the guitar, that writing was something that that carried us through a lot of uh, hard times in the earlier years. Because you know, the, uh, you know, during when times were rough, you get together and start right, working on a song. Uh, now then, the times are, are fewer and far between. We have a chance to sit down and and, and really, you know your mind of everything that's what's going on and, and work on a song but it's i you know i couldn't i couldn't have done it with two guys i think anymore of randy and greg they've, they've been special friends ever since you know randy since since we were young and greg since he uh, we moved to myrtle beach and uh i'm just tickled to death. i don't know what else to say except uh thanks to these two guys for for believing in the song and helping me out on it greg you've been standing in the shadows i mean you're not on stage every night with them, but spiritually you're on stage with Randy, Jeff, and Teddy, and Mark every night because you were there from the onset in Myrtle Beach. And this tonight has to be a culmination of a lot of feelings, a lot of hard work, and, and also a lot of great gratification for you and love for these guys, as you've expressed before. Congratulations again, Greg. Thank you very much. And I've almost lost my voice. It won't be long. but uh, And thank you, Radio, for believing in, in songs that uh, that make it happen. And for believing in songwriters that uh, that work their lives away trying to get a shot, and I am so grateful to have been a part of something that uh, obviously has has happened here tonight that makes me feel good about myself and about these guys even more so than than before. And and again, thank you, Radio, for playing the music. Because right. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, I- Alabama song of 1989. Thank you. Thank you, BMI. And there you have it, the fabulous four known as Alabama. Next week on Country Music Conversations, our guest will be Billy Walker. Until then, Lee Arnold reminding you to stay safe and keep it country.